Hello and welcome to a Thursday episode of the State of the Nova Nation. I'm Eugene Rapay. He's Chris Danziel. Chris, feel a little bit better. I think, as they always say, time heals all wounds. And I'm starting to feel a little good. I'm starting to feel loose. You know, starting to leave last Saturday in the past and look ahead to this weekend and hopefully a positive result against UConn. Man, you stole my opening line. I was going to say the same thing, you know. Oh, wow. Time, time heals all wounds. Don't know if I had a week to lick their wounds and clean it all up. And hopefully this UConn game will prove to be different than the results from last weekend. Yeah, I'm hoping so. With this extra time off, no game in the middle of the week, which was a little perplexing. I, I know, Chris, we had expected some sort of game or something to pop up. Apparently Villanova tried, but the people they were asking said no. So I don't know what that means. If they, if they actually did try <laughs> or if everyone's still scared to play Nova as they should be. Well, either way. I'm just happy for, for everyone's sake that there was a week off and we can just go into this game with trying to get some revenge of some sort, I guess. Not really revenge against UConn, but revenge. Just get against... it back on track. Yeah, get yeah, it back yeah. on track. Against the haters. But <laughs> <laughs> I obviously mean that facetiously. But look, UConn coming up. I know Villanova's played them the past three years. But finally, we get this UConn-Villanova Big East game, old school, harken to the days of the Allen Ray-Rudy Gay matchups. Like, this is just, this is fun. It's fun. It's fun to have UConn back in the Big East. I, I will actually outwardly say that now. Yeah, you know, I'm glad you finally warmed up to them. I'm glad you finally warmed up to them. It's crazy because even though they were gone, we played them quite a bit for them leaving the Big East. I mean, you had the NCAA tournament game, which we're not going to talk about too much. But then okay. you had the, the three-year series where it was a home-home and then one at Madison Square Garden. I forgot about the Shabazz one. Oh, Thank, you're you. Well, Thank you for jolting you know. my memory. <laughs> First year out of the Big East. <laughs> and then, starting to get some cold sweats now. Thank you very much. Well, <laughs> if it makes you feel better, Chris, they did fall off a cliff after that. And then Villanova won two national champions. They, but, they did. Yeah. UConn's kind of like the New York Giants. In the sense that they just sell out for one year every so often for a championship. And then they just, you know, go back to obscurity. They're making a little bit of noise now. A little bit. Better than expected, I would say. Yeah, things seem to be heading into a much better direction for the Huskies under Dan Hurley. If you just look back to this three-year series that Villanova and UConn recently completed before UConn moved back to the Big East. The first game, blowout. Second game, it was close for a first half. But then Nova pulled away and then last year it was a lot closer than i think we expected and this weekend's game might probably fall under the same boat probably will i hate to say it at least the way uconn's kind of been playing and the way villanova's kind of been playing at least trending that way but yeah man last year that game should have not been a contest at all and uconn kept it competitive and for being honest if it wasn't for some late game heroics but i believe it was jermaine he had like a late three to help Villanova pull ahead, I think UConn probably should have won that game. Like they, Villanova had was just caught completely off guard. But hopefully now, with them being a conference opponent, that case won't be the same. But now you got James Booknight back in the fold for UConn, and now they're looking a lot more scarier than before. Yeah, this was one of the games that was originally postponed during Villanova's COVID pause. And I remember, Chris, we were talking about how it's unfortunate. And yeah, you want to play them when they're at full strength, but that would have probably been an easier dub without their star player. Mm -hmm, for sure. But now that he's back from injury, 
He had a pretty good game against Providence this uh, this past Tuesday off the bench. What did he drop, Eugene? Like 20-something or just a little under 20, around 18? It felt like 20, but yeah, he yeah. had 18, <laughs> 18 points on 7 of 12 shooting, so he was pretty efficient. Right, yeah, and obviously they won by 12 over Providence, so they needed every little bit from Book Knight there. So, yeah, Eugene, like you said, it would have been an easier dub, but now that he's back, it's going to be a completely different squad, I would feel like. But, you know, I welcome the challenge as a – as a Villanova fan, I kind of want to see Villanova go up against a fully loaded team and try and see if we can fix those wrongs from this past weekend. And I know UConn may, may not be in the same level of, as Creighton, but with Book Knight, they're definitely better than what they are without Book Knight. And you can at least kind of start to gauge a little bit better how this team is going to respond to the lacks of the laps of defense for the past uh, weekend. With Book Knight, First game back in the Big East, UConn actually pushed Creighton into overtime. It was just an amazing game. I think Book Knight had 40 points or something like that. And then Creighton doing their thing with the high-flying offense. Both teams just neck and neck. And then UConn kind of, you know, fell apart a little bit. And overtime, Book Knight went cold. And then Creighton was able to win. But then right after that, UConn won four straight. Book Knight gets hurt. You think that, oh, man, this is probably on the line for them. There's rumors, chatters saying, Oh, it's a season-ending injury. Other people are saying, no, it's not. He'll be back in three to six weeks. UConn does as best as they can. They've dropped a few games. A lot of really close ones that they probably, with Book Knight, probably could have won. You look at the St. John's game, they lost by four. Mm-hmm. They lost a rematch to Creighton, which was a little bit of a surprise because without your best player, they still kept it within single digits, still kept it close against the Blue Jays. Now, of course, Chris... What I heard the news on Tuesday night, hours before their game against Providence, Book Knight gets cleared. Just in time for Providence, but also he gets a game under his legs. See how he's feeling <laughs> going into this big matchup against Villanova. And, of course, like you mentioned, 18 points. Didn't seem like he missed a shot at all. And as one of those dynamic, talented, athletic guards, I would love to see what kind of game plan or what kind of defense strategy Villanova can throw at him and just slowing him down and hopefully slowing down the rest of those Huskies because they got quite a few athletes, quite a few quick guys, and some skilled players as well. They certainly do. And if UConn's known for one thing, it's it's their guard play. And obviously you mentioned Book Knight, but two guys I also want to highlight are RJ Cole and Tyrese Martin. So RJ Cole, more of a – he came off the bench against Xavier, and I believe that's kind of his role. But he started against Providence, so, you know, typical six-man starting option type player. But he had a game against Xavier. He dropped 24, really impressive against a pretty good Xavier team on the road. They went in there and, and pretty much controlled that entire game, and it was pretty much spearheaded by Cole. He's averaging around 12 points a game. Again, I'll mention, not exactly an efficient shooter. He's shooting about 37% from the field and from about 38% from beyond the arc, but still the dude can drop several points at any moment. And it's definitely going to be something to watch out for. He also leads the team in assists too. So not only can he score, he can also dish. So RJ Cole might be a problem. And Tyrese Martin averaging about 12 and a half points per game, also leading the team in rebounds as a guard, seven and a half per game there and shooting about 49% from the field. And he's a pretty deadly three-point shooter at 46%. I think he's like 15 of 33. So he doesn't take a whole bunch of actually 33 threes in 14 games. I guess that's a pretty decent amount. But still, he can knock him down with the best of them. Not exactly the best 
free throw shooter. And I know that for a fact because there, out of a couple games I have watched UConn, he is, he's not the best free throw shooter. The percentage, I think, is doing him a favor there. He just seems to miss uh, every so often. So if he gets to the rim, don't be afraid to foul the guy. <laughs> so obviously with those three guards with Booknight, Martin, and Cole Villanova's going to have their uh, defense uh, better be, have their defense in tip-top shape. But then also inside, you got Tyler Polly and Isaiah Whaley, two big guys inside. And Whaley in particular just seems to be all over the place in terms of grabbing boards. He's second on the team with about six and a half per game. But he just seems to be a very strong player and seems to go for a loose ball and all. And like, I, I hate to use the cliche, but like, you know, a little, little gritty, a little gritty there. And I, <laughs> I really admire that from him. And it, it really appeared in the Xavier and Providence games this past few games. He's, he seems to be all over the place. Yeah, this UConn team won't be a cakewalk. I'm glad that they were able to get book night because it'll make for a great show on Saturday. But at the same time, that's a very big weapon that Villanova needs to game plan for. One thing that I want to highlight, and Chris, you touched upon it a little bit, is this team just fights on the glass. And Villanova is definitely going to have to box out. It's going to be a complete effort. You have guards crashing the boards. You got your forwards doing their thing inside. Can't give UConn those second chance buckets. And this team is actually amazing at creating those second chance opportunities, grabbing offensive rebounds. They do so on 36.9% of their possessions. They're top 10 in the country, according to Ken Palm, for the offensive rebounding percentage. And that's that's super high. That's like what, you know, mm-hmm. a third of every miss, they're going to pick it up. Like, yeah. you can't allow that. This, no. this can definitely be one of those games where if Nova's not paying attention to detail or not boxing out, it'll be one of those really frustrating long nights. I hope it doesn't happen, but we're just going to need a complete effort on the boards. I know sometimes Villanova, it's been a little spotty sometimes. I know JRE obviously is great at what he does in finding the glass, and Jermaine's a natural rebounder, but this is going to have to be a collective effort, one through five, especially when they send all their guards and everyone in to crash. Yeah, you're going to need you're going to need everyone hands on deck type of effort on on the boards. You can't be lackadaisical whatsoever, and certainly cannot replicate that performance against Creighton defensively. And yes, I know Villanova had a pretty good first half with the offensive rebounding, but the second half was uh, pretty poor on all fronts. So if they're just caught off guard a little bit, this could get a little bit ugly. And the thing too, I feel like they shouldn't be caught off guard. <laughs> I mean, obviously, you know, we saw well, they were caught off play. guard against Creighton, but <laughs> yeah, but the, <laughs> that's, the, that's when it hurts me. One thing that I, I've noticed about Jay, Wright This whole season, even months before the big East play started, or even months before the UConn game would even take place, I obviously got postponed, but he was giving some positive shout outs some positive feedback to UConn. Obviously he's happy like most people that they're back in the league and they're back in the conference, but he was talking about how they probably got caught a little bit sleeping that last year was way too close for comfort. So I don't think I would hope that they're not going to be caught by surprise this time around. It sounds like Jay has been kind of ready for this, preparing for this a little bit more. So I don't think he'll take them for granted. Each year it's gotten a little bit closer, but I'm hoping Villanova still holds them off. Yeah, that's what I'm I'm thinking too. I mean, it's at Villanova, so that definitely helps. I feel like obviously no fans and all. I we say that all the time, but I still think the familiar environment helps. And with UConn coming in, I know UConn's riding the, the high of the past two games, but I still think Villanova responds well. We all know the whole mantra with Villanova doesn't lose back-to-back games and whatnot. And even though that's kind of been proven otherwise the past couple of years, 
I still think it holds true. I think Villanova does like to rebound pretty and seems to rebound pretty well after losses. So I don't think they'll be caught off guard. They know Book Knight's playing. It's not like one of those things where it's going into the game. Is he going to play or is he's not? We know he's playing. He already has a game under his belt. There's nothing. The scattering report's right there. Your game plan should be around him and just stop the other guys and you should be fine. And I believe Villanova will do that. You need Jerry to step up, though, and kind of shake off the rust the past few games that he's had outside of the Marquette game. So if he steps up, I think Villanova should have this in the back. Yeah, the whole book night thing is kind of crazy, too. It wasn't one of those, oh, let's just see how he does. First game back, he just got cleared 12 hours before the game. They threw him right into the fire, and he responded with 18 points off the bench. Like, this guy did not look like he missed any time. Elbow looked great. <laughs> did not look like someone who was injured. I'm, I'm a little bit worried. Hopefully, that was just kind of a flash in the pan, and he has a rougher day at the office on Saturday. But we'll see what happens. Chris, who is going to be your player to highlight? Who do you have your eye on? I got my eye on JRE. I mean, Tyler Pauly and Isaiah Whaley, you know, maybe not the biggest names in the conference, but they are two very stalwart forwards. I mean, Polly led the team in scoring in back-to-back games against Marquette and Butler in early January. He was dropping almost 20 games, dropped 23 against Marquette and then 19 against Butler. So the dude can score, even though he's hovering around eight points, I think I mentioned before. You can still put up points, especially if you're not ready inside. And like I said before, Whaley just flies all over the place in terms of rebounding. So I, you need Jerry to step up to the task and, you know, fight inside, score against these guys and prevent the scoring. And we all know his defensive, sort of defensive shortcomings and whatnot. But one thing he can do is rebound pretty well. And with Whaley being that, you know, opposition there, I think he has to, you know, I think he has to win this battle for Philadelphia to have a chance. And what I think he will. I, I think he eventually will get his feet back from under him after this post-COVID lapse he's kind of had. Yeah, I'm hoping we see a better performance out of him offensively. Hopefully something similar close to the way he played against Marquette. But I have my eye on, on Colin Gillespie. The other key cog in all this, it's crazy because uh, there seems to be a pattern here that's not it's pretty obvious. But when JRE and Colin aren't going, they aren't doing too well. It's a, it gets a little too tight. It gets a little too mm-hmm. tight. I'm hoping to see a big bounce back game from Colin. Hopefully something great here. He's going to have to put up with a pretty tough guard, I'd, I'd assume, and I'd guess. But hopefully he'll be up for the challenge. He was quiet against Creighton. He was quiet against St. John's. I'm hoping to see him bounce back and, and take charge again and you know be the guy that we were raving about when his offensive rating and his offensive analytics were through the roof and through the charts. Hopefully the Creighton game was nothing but just a bad day and he'll have a much better game this Saturday against the Huskies. Honorable mention, though, to Jermaine Samuels, who killed the Huskies last year. Hopefully we see big game (laughs) Jermaine again. He's been playing pretty well after the COVID break. I mean, he's been doing great. Yeah, for sure. He's kept Villanova in games and won them games in the past few few weeks. So certainly need him. I mean, if he step, if he contributes any little bit, and if Colin and Jerry are going, they, they'll be fine. This game's on Saturday at 1 p.m. Eastern time. Pretty early. I kind of like it. It'll be on Fox. So, big game right on Fox Network. UConn back in the Big East. Get pumped. Get excited. But I hope they don't get too excited that they think they're going to win against Nova. I think Nova should. I'm hoping should and will hold them off. I wouldn't be surprised, though, if this is another one we're sweating out. <laughs> But oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But, it's it's definitely going to you know, be close. Yeah, it's definitely going to be close. The the last one was 
And they have Book Knight back, who's just elevated his play this year and doesn't seem to miss his stride at all, despite having the broken elbow or the fractured elbow, whatever it was that kept him out for a bunch of weeks. So it'll be a good one. It'll definitely be a good one. We were looking forward to this one before. Unfortunately, got affected in that whole COVID pause. But we have it here right now, this Saturday. And definitely will be tuning in. And pretty pumped for that one. All right, Chris. So it's been a hot topic around college basketball. And it's not limited to Villanova. Although we've had a few questions about it. Is Villanova going to opt out of the Big East tournament? Or should they opt out of the Big East tournament? And with it being a national headline or storyline and everyone asking all these coaches and all these teams what they feel about it, should teams do it? Should their own team do it? It looks like Villanova will not be doing it. According to a recent article by the Philadelphia Inquirer, it's looking like Villanova's closing the door on opting out, which doesn't surprise me too much. And I don't think it surprised you too much. But Jay Wright said, Quote, we're going to tighten up our bubble, and I'm confident what the Big East has set up. We have our own hotel, our own floor, so I think the Big East Conference has set up a bubble-type situation to help each team ensure that they can produce seven days in a row of negative tests. All factors considered, we feel safe going to the Big East tournament and being in that bubble for that week. Reactions to Jay. I'm not surprised. I don't think you are, but what do you got to say about it? Yeah, I'm not surprised. I always kind of figured they would want to participate in this for tradition and being true to the Big East. I mean, we saw a microcosm of that with them scheduling Georgetown in that little lapse there instead of any other potential non-con opponent. But, you know, if they feel safe going, I'm not going to you know, say anything about it. If they, if the Big East is going to install the proper protocols and Villanova is going to follow them, and then so be it. And I hope that they come out on the other end unscathed. I, I'm sure that they will. Everything seems to be going well if teams do enter a bubble, at least in pretty much across all sports for the most part. The bubble seems to work. So hopefully they're able to go through it, win win the tournament, and move on to the NCAAs, and we're all happy. What about you? I'll say I wasn't too surprised by Nova, but I was surprised with what AD Mark Jackson had to say. And apparently they're – penalties and restrictions against the whole opting out idea he said quote there are significant penalties and restrictions about the idea of opting out that are written into the bylaws hmm. the league's Did athletic directors yeah the league's <laughs> athletic directors have talked about opt-outs because it is a national storyline but i know for us it's not something we're exploring or the what ifs if we sit out if we're healthy so yeah I would have never guessed that there was a penalty or a restriction, but I guess at the end of the day, it's all about the money. And if your top teams aren't playing, can't make that money. Right. Yeah. I didn't realize there was a big East penalty. I was kind of more concerned about an NCAA penalty for the tournament. Like, you know, you get docked a couple of seed lines or whatever it may be, or your, your case isn't reviewed as seriously. Now, obviously they would have let Villanova in the tournament, but you, you know what I mean? Yeah. I thought there would be some, something along those lines. But yeah, so I, I didn't realize that was a part, uh, potential liability there, and that probably also had something to do with it, probably a major thing to do with it as well. Yeah, yeah, you already know Father Peter was not about to write another check for losing money. <laughs> no, no, especially during these times. And especially and if, uh, when you're kind of, you know, you're going to be a one seed, you're going to be a contender for the title, you might as well go for it. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. I guess so. And look, obviously – 
we kind of joke about that, but at the same time, like if you legitimately did not feel safe going into this thing, you obviously wouldn't go. You would not put the risk of hundreds of people at, at risk there. So involved with the involved with the program. So if the protocols are all right, they feel all right, and they don't want to dish out the big penalty, then so be it. Go ahead, and uh, hopefully you win another one. And test negative, so you're not impacted for the NCAA tournament. And and that too, yeah, that, <laughs> yeah, that's probably most important. I would. What would you rather, Biggie's tournament, and then win and test positive, or or have one person test positive, or no, no positive tests in the first round exit? Oh, oh, geez. I thought you were gonna say like, and they participate in the NCAA tournament. I was like, oh, well, obviously uh, I really have no, 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 no positive mm-hmm. test. Well. If they're gonna lose in the first round, Chris, and that means you know they'll probably be like a one seed, and it's like, no, you can't, can't do that. <laughs> that that's the Virginia only club. You can't have Villanova lose in the first round. Right. Yeah, that's a tough one. That's a tough one. Mm-hmm. I think at that point, I'd rather just sit out. <laughs> if you knew yeah. you were gonna lose in the first round, yeah, you might as well just sit out and spare yourself some bad. Yeah, I I would have to agree. But hopefully, we don't have to be faced with any of those choices, and we can just get through normally, like in a normal year and i know that's asking a lot nowadays but hopefully they can do it yeah no we're less than a month away from the end of the regular season and i believe this time next month might be like around selection sunday they'll definitely be done with the biggie tournament so or maybe the first weekend i don't even know we're gonna have to check the calendar but it's crazy to think that it's so close and yet so far that's february man say it every year february just drags and drags and drags and it drags longer despite it being the shortest month because it, you got March right around the quarter and we all know what that entails. It's like just one giant Christmas Eve, but you don't get any presents on Christmas Eve. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, long way, long way to March, long way to March. Mm-hmm. I just want to give a few quick shout-outs. One to Sadiq Bey for being named the NBA Eastern Conference Player of the Week this week. I know we didn't get to address it on Tuesday because we were sad about things, and but it was some positive news out of the NBA. Another shout-out to Dante DiVincenzo for hitting his 1,000th career NBA point over the weekend. And then another third shout-out to the women's basketball team for getting out of their COVID pause. And despite being out for almost two weeks, didn't skip a beat and proceeded to rain three-pointers, shoot them up, barely slept in the street, 17 threes and route to a blowout of the Butler Bulldogs in their first game back. So it was nice to see them back in action, and also killing it. And it's also great to see the NBA Cats still doing well, slowly but surely changing the narrative about Villanova not being a pro factory. Yeah, how about the Sadiq Bay performance? That was I, – I really wanted to talk about that Tuesday, but obviously we had other things going on. We, we <laughs> talked about Crane for, like, a lot longer no, than I anticipated, I'm, so I understand. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and it warranted it. It warranted it. But it, seeing him go off like that was uh, pretty impressive. And say what you will about the Pistons kind of suppressing their rookies early on. At least it's what it kind of seemed like. But now that the trade deadline's kind of coming up and they kind of told Blake Griffin that uh, you're sitting this one out for a little bit, uh, Sadiq Bey's got a little bit of more burn and he seems to be flourishing because in a limited role, he was doing pretty fine. Now I guess all strings are off and just, just go ahead, go do your thing. Yeah, exactly. The handcuffs are off, whether it's coming off the bench or the occasional start. He's been playing very well. And last week he was dynamic. I mean, when he had that 30 point outing, that was great. And then he followed it up with another big game. Totally deserving for Eastern Conference Player of the Week. 
Yeah, and it was against the Celtics too. That that big game, and the Celtics are a pretty good team, so it's pretty nice. Pretty nice. I was so sad when the Nets traded that pick for him. I was so <laughs> sad. Landry Shaman. I could have gotten the Brooklyn he, he Nets. Could have been on the bench Badger. right now. Yeah, joining that circus, running New York City. <laughs> Honestly, for I don't know if that's a good or a bad thing for him, but either way, I would have been cool to get some uh, Sadiq Bay here. It's okay. At least the Nets aren't regretting it as bad as the Sixers are. I'm sure the Sixers still die every day on the inside, <laughs> looking at how well Mikhail is doing. Yeah, especially this year. He's been playing so well that it's like every tweet or every social media post, it's like, Sixers, why do we get rid of this guy? They just reminded <laughs> of it every hour. It's uh, it's kind of becoming a meme at this point. It's pretty funny. And the Suns are good. I told you they'd be good eventually. I like what they were doing. 17 and 10 in the West is a pretty good record. Yeah. I don't know if his mom still works for the Sixers, but if she still does, I wonder wonder what she tells him. They probably just have like her master says, I told you so. <laughs> Mask at the office. Tells him. Uh God, was it was it Hank? No, it wasn't Hanky that traded him, was it? No, 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 no. Hanky was already gone by then. He was he was gone by then. But who yeah. I guess Alton Brand's their GM now. he probably just has a picture of Mikhail on his desk and just holds it. And as he looks at it deeply, he starts to tear up a little bit and that's that's and he looks at as that one as the one that got away look I'm, I'm sure we can you know call in or send in a few emails and ask who was responsible but no one's gonna own up to it no one's gonna own up to it no never well that's all the time we have for today i i was gonna say it was time for mail and then i was like wait a second how come we don't have any questions and then i realized this one's totally on me but I did not send out the tweet asking for questions. I totally forgot. And now we don't have a mailbag because of me. Unfortunate. I'm so sorry, everybody. Oh, brother, this guy stinks! But we'll be sure to send the net out for Tuesday. We'll be back at it then. Thank you so much for listening to the State of the Nova Nation. If you haven't already, please subscribe to the show at VU Hoops or look up State of the Nova Nation. And you should be able to find us on iTunes, Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, Stitcher, Megaphone, Podbean. You got many, many options. Check back, check often on the site. We're going to have some great coverage of the UConn game this weekend between Bridget Highland, Daniel Donabedian, and then Aileen McBride. So check back, read our stuff, check often, join the party in the comments section. It's always a great time. Follow VU Hoops on social media at view hoops that's good for twitter and instagram follow the page on facebook or i should say like the page on facebook you can follow me eugene or pay at europay5 no chris stanziel i got nothing just stay safe everybody novation a shorter and sweet episode today but we'll be back on tuesday with hopefully some good news to talk about let's beat some huskies i know a lot of them have been talking trash since they first rejoined or the rumors first came up that they were rejoining the big east Hopefully we can just kind of, you know, put them in the place a little bit. But we'll see what happens on Saturday. Should be a great one. Take care. Have a good weekend.